This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. God bless you. You may be seated today. Am I on everything okay? Good. Just making sure. Hey, I'm out of practice. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. I'm Pastor Kevin, if you don't know who I am. Uh, We've been gone off and on for a while. I want you to know I'm rocking the 80s today. So like any any 80s people here, right? The best, best uh, era of music right now, just the 80s, right? Can I hear you? I should have just kept the white jeans from the 80s. That's what I'm rocking right now because they're back. Everyone say they're back. You know, have you realized that as you watch the trends of dress today, that if you would have just kept your clothes in boxes, you wouldn't have to be buying new clothes, right? You know, I mean, I'm just realizing Trent comes in the other day and going, Dad, look what I got. And I'm going, yeah, I used to wear those like 30 years ago. Hey, it's, it's what it is. We're, glad, we're glad, glad for you to be here. We survived. Rhonda survived. We survived chemo session number one. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, so so we, we, we rocked that. We learned a lot and are going to continue to learn and rock that as we go through. Uh, can I tell you how much I appreciate your prayers? I uh, appreciate our board. Our board is amazing. Would you give our board a round of applause? Uh, they are heroes. They have been so generous uh, to communicate to you as well as to communicate to us of their graciousness and their release and their ability for us to step in and for me to put my focus towards my wife. And thank you for allowing me to do so. Uh, thank you for our communicators that have been uh, stepping in and will step in. We, our communicators are amazing. Uh, I step in intimidation because I've been out of the pulpit and I'm like going, Trenton, just preach. Sasser, just preach. Allie, just preach, right? So if you've, mi- if you've missed those, go back and watch those. Uh, I want to also say how, uh, how amazing, if not for any other season, if it was just for us, online services have been. You know, if you, how many have taken advantage of online services? Are you blessed by online services? Can I tell you, uh, people say it's not the same. Well, it's not the same. But can I tell you, you feel God's presence. And so we were so able to enjoy that last week as we stepped in. Uh, we got one down, five more to go. And uh, we're going to win all the way through. Just pray for Bronda's blood platelets. She's here today, and she's raring to go. She steps back into work on Tuesday. Uh, would you be praying for her? Would you pray that as she steps back in, she's got energy and uh, Ability to accomplish only what she needs to accomplish, I think, is the wisdom that we're trying to figure out as we step into a new season. Uh, Outflow is right around the corner, and we're going to be kind of referring to that in, in a couple messages, but this is our opportunity to love on our community. It's your opportunity to love God, okay? And so, well, it's just serving. No, that's how we love God, is by serving. So we want to get out there, and how many want to love God? Right? How many want to love our community? We need you to get on and register. We need to get all of our teams filled up on that. And uh, I Shout out to our, our uh, team that's remodeling South Campus. They're doing an amazing job. Sasser, thank you for leading the charge on that. Lots of hours, all you team members that have been volunteering and giving and all that sort of stuff. Uh, they got, they're getting electrical done, right? Almost, like just a little bit. They're getting there. Uh, we can't wait to open it back up and for you to see... Uh, I was going to say, there have been major changes to us, but they're going to be probably modern moderate changes to your eyes, because <laughs> it's all been underneath, it's all been behind the scenes, so we're glad that you're here. Today, as I step in, I'm going to be preaching a three-week mess, three-week series, uh, and you're saying three weeks isn't outflow in like three weeks. Well, 
Can I tell you, we're going to be setting up for the third week, and you guys are going to be preaching the third week with your lives. And so that's what we're going to be doing as we step into that. Uh, But today, I want to just kind of introduce this topic, press in and press on. Everyone say press in. Everyone say press on. We're not talking about press on nails, whatever those were back in the day. I don't know if that's an 80s thing too. Does that still happen today? (laughs) I never wore them. I promise. Uh, but, you know, that press in and press on. What, what does that say to you? What does that phrase mean to you? Uh, so that's kind of the, the thing that we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. I was driving down, uh, I think it was State Street. It was probably about two weeks ago. And I noticed one of those reader boards, you know, those reader boards with the letters that they pop into the, thing, uh, into the lines that are there. And it said this. It said, attitude is contagious. Is yours worth catching? Attitude is contagious, is yours worth catching? You know, that statement, that phrase just has played over and over in my mind, and maybe it stands out more probably because I've struggled with my attitude. Anyone ever struggle with your attitude? Uh, But I think the word that really kind of hit me was contagious. We've been living in a community, in a culture of contagion, have we not? I mean, everyone's afraid of the pandemic or they're afraid of this thing called uh, COVID. And so we've been wearing our masks and we've been preventative. And, And I began to think of how many precautions that you and I have taken over the last 12 plus months, the precautions of not spreading a contagious virus. But can I tell you that many times we ignore this fact that we, our attitudes can be just as equally as contagious. How many have discovered that in your life, that you've picked up on someone else's attitude, they've ruined your day in the process of having a really good morning, or you've ruined someone else's day? You know, I, I think as I think of these words, I had to come back and go, what am I spreading with my attitude? What are you spreading with your attitude? Do we need to be wearing masks for our attitude? What, are we, what shield do you and I put on in our lives for these attitudes? Attitudes in our homes, attitudes towards our spouse, attitudes towards our children, children, attitudes towards your parents, attitudes towards teachers, attitudes towards authority, attitudes in our culture, right? I mean, are they not, can we not see this prevailing thing of attitudes and how contagious and contaminating they've been? Have you been contaminated by the attitudes of our culture? I would say that we probably have been. Today, as we think of this attitude and this, this contagion, what is it that we're determining to spread? It plays into this comment, this phrase, press in and press on. Press in and press on. What attitude are you trying to portray? Who are you pressing into and who are you, what are you pressing on for? You know, I think of uh, when this phrase came into my spirit in early 2020, April of 2020 to be exact, I wrote it down in my journal and I wrote it on my whiteboard in my office at home. As I was praying one morning, the Holy Spirit just kind of dropped these two phrases in and I'm kind of like going, okay, well, whatever, yeah. This, and it, can I tell you that it's just began to develop within my spirit? You say, press on to what? Press into what? You know, as I had to step back and I look back over this last year, I had to press into God in a brand new way. How many have had to press into God in a brand new way? You've had to press into the purpose in your life. You've had to press into not allowing, uh, not allowing culture to define you, but to allow God to define you. So many things have changed. And then we look at this word press on, and we step back and go, well, so what are we pressing on to? We're pressing on to the end. The end of what? How many are waiting for the end of a pandemic? We're pressing on to the end of mass. Can I tell you that when we get to the end of mass, it doesn't mean that it's done. 
And I think that so oftentimes we are looking at a destination, a moment in this we're, we're called to press on. And what does that look like? To press on, uh, to not be forward, to endure, to stay faithful. Don't quit. Press on. Don't run away. How many felt like running away in 2020? 2021, right? Run away to a private island where there's not a, another person, where you don't have to deal with all the drama. Anybody ever feel that way? Through each new season, as we have walked over the last several months, as you've walked over the last several months, probably those terms can bring on different meaning to you. I can look at my life, I can look at our life, and I can look at what we've had to press through as leadership, as a culture, as, as a people. We've had to press in to God. We've had to press into a renewing of the focus of what the church of Jesus Christ means. What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Pressing in to who he is. We've had to press on rather than being recluses in our homes, rather than just pulling back from things that are important. We've had to press on to go, no, church is important. People are important. We're going to log on. We're going to come to church. We're going to stay faithful. What is it that you're pressing in and pressing on towards? These ideas of these two phrases stand out to me really diverse, or really uh, profoundly in the mindset of what Jesus said. He says, when you experience troubles of all kinds. There was something that he was going, don't give up in the middle of trouble. Don't quit in the middle of trouble. Press on. When you experience these, your attitude needs to be. As I sermonize these three words, or these two phrases, I'm going to use three words over the next couple weeks. It's the word faith. Everyone say faith. faith. It's the word hope. Everyone say hope. And the other word is love. Everyone say love. love. Those are words that reality, when you look at God's word, you're going to see the dynamic duo, which I'm going to call faith and hope. They're oftentimes married together. You, when you see faith, oftentimes you see hope. Somewhere you're going to, they're, they're going to connect. There's a hope in the midst of faith. And then there's a holy triad of faith, hope, and love. You know, if you're familiar with the passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter, we see right there, uh, Paul, as he is summing up this chapter on love, this agape love, God's perfect love, God's love that endures, this love that he's challenging you and I to walk in, that love that's patient and kind. Anybody need some patience and kindness? First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, he says this, and now these three, what? Remain. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. These three remain. Can I tell you what would happen in our, in our lives? What would happen in our culture if faith, hope, and love disappeared? Would you imagine your life without faith, hope, and love? Would there be a reason to live? Would there be a purpose? Paul is coming and he's profoundly, dynamically saying, these three remain. They stay. They continue to exist. When everything else fails, faith will endure. Hope will endure. Love will endure. When the end of this world happens and heaven is in existence, well, it's in existence now, but when we're there, it's our existence. What's going to endure? Faith, hope, and love. It remains. It, they never cease to exist. A few other passages that we can 
in 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says this, But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Galatians 5.5, For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. Colossians 1.23, If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. Romans 5.2, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and exult in the hope of the glory of God. Today, as we focus on these three, I want to focus on a faith that works. Everyone say a faith that works. Ask yourself, turn to your neighbor and say, does your faith work? Is your faith working? Can I tell you today, as I look around our culture, and this is a little play on words, but I see a lot of people's faith that is not working. And I want to say today, I want to challenge you today, whether you're on camera or whether you're in this room, if your faith is not working, you're the only one that can fix that faith. If it's broken, you need to replace it. If you put faith in something that should not have your faith in it, you need to remove your faith and put it in something that is sure, and his name is Jesus Christ. Today, a faith that works. It has been said that we're not saved by faith plus works but we're saved by a faith that works. It's a faith that works. It's not, a, it's not just a, a TV commercial of, if you buy this now, we give you a special discount, and you get it, and it's broken, or it's plastic, and it happens, works one time. We're talking about a faith that is enduring, a faith that remains, a faith that stays. As Christ followers... Faith is a prerequisite to everything else. When we talk about a prerequisite, it's something that's required on the front end. You know, if you've ever taken a course in college or in high school, you have to have prerequisites. And so you have to have English 101 before you can go to English 102. Or you have to be able to test out of it. Can I tell you that there's a lot of prerequisites in our, thing, in our life, in our, and faith is a prerequisite to everything that we do as Christ followers. Faith is the, this first piece of a foundation to press in. Everyone say press in. The tension of this message is this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith that works, it's impossible to please God. You may be here out of a belief system. You may be here out of a hope that you're doing it right. You may be here going, no, I believe that there is a God. But is your faith working? Is your faith actually effective in your life? Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe. He must believe. I love the Amplified translation. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and to please him. Your purpose in life with your faith is to walk with God, not for God to walk with you. Do you hear me? Do you hear the difference today? Many times we come along and say, God, join my journey. And God's going, no, I want you to join my journey. We're saying, God, will you bless my efforts? And God's going, no, I want you to do what I've asked you to do. That's faith. That's stepping into a level that God's calling of us. It says that uh, please him for whoever comes near to God must. It is necessary to believe that God exists. 
So what is this definition of faith? Let's give this definition of what we're looking at this morning. It's a confident belief. A confident belief. How many have sensed sensed a lack of confidence in life over the last year? Be honest. Anybody have a lack of confidence of how to attack a job or how to step in to do something? Have any, how many will be transparent enough to go, has you, have you had a lack of confidence in God's ability in your life? I'm going to be honest with you. There's been, a, there's been seasons as we've walked through 2020 and 2021 that my faith has been rocked. There's been some insecurity and lack of confidence to go, God, I know you can and I know you have and I see you doing it in someone else's life, but God, do I have confidence that you'll do it in my life? Does anybody ever feel that way? This confident, confident belief, and it's a value or a trustworthiness of a person, belief that does not rest on a logical proof or material evidence. You and I will step back into our culture. You and I function in a life that oftentimes goes, is that logical? Is that stable? Can I see it? Right? We start presenting this idea of God that we believe in this God that exists, but we can't see him, we can't touch him. And people begin to step back and go, you're cuckoo. I can't believe that you would live for such a God as that that allows bad things to happen. This idea of faith is not something that rests on logical proof or material evidence. Although you and I as humanity, we can look around and see the material evidence, can we not? That God is a God who created the heavens and the earth. That God is a God who spoke the mountains into existence and called the waters to flow. And we can see his creation and we get to enjoy his creation. So we can see that there's something bigger than us. The world says seeing is believing and God says believing is seeing. Complete opposites, are they not? So here we function in a world of our of our, of our making, of who we are as humanity today, and we go, well, seeing is believing, and God's going, no, if you believe, you will see. This war between our flesh and our spirit, the, what is faith and what is not faith. Today, I want to call you to a believing peace. Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're going to be looking at. Paul and Silas were church planters, and they landed in Thessalonica, and they began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They preached that salvation was in Jesus and Jesus alone, that he was a God that loved, that he was a God of mercy, that he was a God of grace. We can see as they preached in the book of Acts, you can see many things that they covered, many topics that they covered. By the time that they had established their, 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 their statements and their, their believing, uh, there was a church that began to grow in this city of Thessalonica. Shortly after this church began, Paul and Silas were run out of town. Paul and Silas were threatened for their lives, and they didn't go back. They sent Timothy back. Isn't that how we function today? I'm not going back. You go back. Let's bring someone in that doesn't know what's going on, and let's send them. Paul sent Timothy, and Timothy goes, and he sees the church, and there's evidence of so many things, and he comes back and he reports to Paul, and Paul writes 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. That's the foundation of where we're at. Let's look in verse 1. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace 
and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. For know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed this message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model. Everyone say a model. You became a model to all the believers. The Lord's message rang out from you. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Wow. Therefore, do not, you do not need to say anything about it. They're, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell, you you turn, they tell how you turned uh, to God from idols to serve the living and true God, to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. You know, I look at this church, I see a church that is glowing with great, amazing qualities. A church that is being commended. You know, don't humans look for perfect churches? You know, in the middle of COVID, there's been people that have been watching us online and they've joined our church as a result. But can I tell you, if you're looking for the perfect church and you find the perfect church, you show up, it's no longer perfect. Because if you're like me, you're not perfect. When we come together in humanity, we're broken. Paul comes and he celebrates and he commands for the church in Thessalonica. And he's going, wow, look at the faith that you have. Look at the love you have. Look at the hope you have. He's commending them in a lot of great qualities. But can I tell you that Thessalonica had its own issues. Paul comes and he says... I'm writing to a called out people, people that are chosen by God. Can I tell you today, as you hear this message, as you hear this verse of scripture uh, uh, read, as you hear this message preached this morning, would you realize that you are a people that are chosen by God? Just like the church in Thessalonica, Paul is writing to them. He's saying, you've been chosen by God. You've been selected. Another term, if you look at it, would be a definition of a Greek word would be elected to. You've been elected from to be part of this chosen people. They'd experienced God's salvation. They'd experienced God's love. They'd experienced this sense of hope. And it brought about a thing called a changed life. Can I tell you today that that's what God's goal for your life is? That when you experience faith, when you experience hope, when you experience love, your life changes. Your attitude is contagious. Your life is contagious. Is it worth catching? Believers, hear me today. Chosen of God, hear me this morning. Is your faith something that people want to catch, that you want people to catch? Is your love what you want people to catch? Is it what God would want to catch from your life? Is your hope something that is catchy and contagious? Paul uses these words in 1 Thessalonians 1, 3, and 1, 9, and he compares. He says, your work of faith, you t- uh, how the, ev- the evidence of that is that you turn from, God to, t- turn from, from idols to God. 
your work of faith, what have you turned from? What is the evidence in your life for this faith that works? Paul goes to the next one. He says, your labor of love. And in 1, 9 and 10, he says, to serve the living and true God. Are you serving somewhere? Are you living your life in such a way that honors God? Have you signed up for outflow to reveal the love of God working in your life? The endurance of hope says that they are waiting for the sun from heaven. Those who God chooses, God changes. Can I tell you, though, what I've noticed in my life and in others around me? Those who catch COVID or the fear of COVID, it also changes people. Can you see the pandemic not of a virus, but the pandemic of an attitude? Church, chosen of God, be people filled with faith. Be people filled with hope. Be people filled with love. These three remain. They stand. They endure. They never cease to exist. Warren Wearsby says this, faith, hope, and love are the, pillar, are, are the three pillar virtues of the Christian life, the greatest three evidences of salvation. Faith must, must always lead to works. Love is service to Christ because we love him, and hope is looking forward to all that Jesus Christ has promised. This faith that works, a faith that's functional, a faith that's real, a faith that's alive. Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2 is a verse of Scripture that is a Bible definition to us. It says, faith is the confidence. Everyone say confidence. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for and the assurance. Everyone say assurance. Assurance. Of things that you do not see. Faith is the confidence and assurance. When we step in and we look at faith, is your faith described with these two adjectives? Would you say that your faith is a confident faith? Would you say that your faith is assured faith? Would people that are around you see your attitude as one who has a confident and assurance in who God is? In the middle of all that's taking place. How many have noticed that the level of our faith in God is off, often hinges on whether we see his activity or we don't see his activity. Anybody? Whether you see God doing something or whether you don't see God doing something. Does your level of faith go up and down? Does your level of faith, faith fluctuate? Can I tell you my level of faith, faith, I hate to say it, but it fluctuates. When I see God doing something, my faith soars. When I go, God, where are you? My faith declines. The writer of Hebrews is coming and saying, regardless of what you see, whether you see God's activity or its inactivity, faith is the assurance and the confidence of who God is. Today, I want to look at four things, four statements of understanding a faith that works. Understanding a faith that works. How many want your faith to work? How many want to put effort in your faith in the sense that it's working for you and functioning And maybe today some of you are going to replace your faith. Maybe some today are going, I had a misconstrued idea of what faith was. And today's a brand new opportunity to step into a greater faith. Number one, we need to understand that faith is given by God in order to know God. Faith is given by God in order to know God. Faith is not something that you and I can manufacture or conjure up. We can try to believe. How many have ever tried to believe in God? 
that God's going to heal someone, right? Can I tell you that that's not faith? That's not something, it's not something that we have to labor in to try to work up and conjure up and manufacture. Romans chapter 12 says this, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Can I tell you when we think more highly of ourselves than we ought is when we go, my faith is just so grand. I can pray for you and you're going to be healed. I'm going to pray for you and God's going to answer prayers. Can I tell you that if we have faith in someone else's power, we're not having our faith in God's power. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure. Everyone say the measure. The measure of faith that God has distributed to each one of you. Today we stand as faithless humanity. If God himself did not give us a measure of faith, you, would not, you and I would not have the ability to believe in God. God's given us a measure. It's our responsible to handle that measure correctly. It's our responsible to steward that measure. It's not our responsibility to conjure up more faith. God's word tells us how to get more faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes as we study and know God, but God's given us this initial portion of faith, and it's not something that you've done or you deserve to get faith. Real faith is a gift from God. Biblical faith is never faith in faith. It's not just believing just to believe. It's not something that we have to self-persuade ourselves to. Faith can never be stronger than the object on which it rests. If your faith is in faith, faith is ethereal. Faith is whatever you think you wanted to make it. Can I tell you that faith is only as strong as the object you place it in, and our object as believers today is God. So when we come and we place our faith in God, he's a God that remains, that's stable, that endures, that never ceases. Faith is something that we can easily take for granted. Faith is one of those things that we only discover we need it, or we only discover that it's there when we need it. When we're faced with a circumstance, when we're faced with a situation, when we're really having to rely on God, is faith there? When we see that, there's, that we must have him in our lives. Faith not used does not increase. It remains static. You want your faith to increase? You need to study God's word to increase. You want your faith to not just be nominal faith? You've got to say, God, I surrender to your trials in the middle of my life, the troubles that are here, and God, I'm going to grow, and I'm going to hold on to this fact that you exist. God always provides the measure of faith. I love this. One of the commentaries said this, God provides the measure of faith required to perfectly balance the need. Think about your life. The very needs in our life. Sometimes it takes a greater ounce, a greater level of faith than it does. Some things take greater faith than other things, right? Greater belief. Jesus came and he says, if you would believe just like a mustard seed, the smallness of faith, you can move this mountain from here to there. If we don't have it when we need it, it's because we turn our focus inward to self and we see our own lack rather than looking to God and his sufficiency. Isn't that the truth? 
When we look at a situation and we don't have faith or we can't see the possible, we look at God. We don't, we're not looking at God, the God of the impossible. We're looking at humanity and its insufficiency. Today, Ron and I can say, regardless of whether God heals in a miracle or whether God heals through a doctor, we have faith and we have confidence that God is in control of our situation. It's not faith in an ethereal thing. Our faith is not in a doctor to go, the doctor can solve all this. Our faith is in the God who gave the doctors the ability to do what they're doing. Number two, understand faith's stability is dependent on who God is. Everyone say stability. Stability Stability is dependent on who God is. Basically this, biblical faith is founded in who God is. Biblical faith is founded in the character of God. It's founded in the very fiber of who he is. If you don't know the character of God, you don't know faith. If you don't understand the adjectives that we declare about God, you don't understand faith. Because your faith is the the stability, the strength comes from the character of who God is. This word stability, the strength to stand or to endure. As the writer of Hebrews says, faith is confidence. It is assurance. Confidence in the character of God. Not confidence in the changing of times. I would say this, that many of our, much of our faith in our culture today has been shaken. Faith in our government has been shaken, has it not? We look around and we see the decisions that they're making. We see the things that are taking place in our nation and the confidence that we had in a free nation, one nation under God, the United States of America, the glory and the glitz and the glamour of this wonderful nation has begun to be tarnished, has it not? Can I tell you that if your faith is in a country, it is going to be tarnished. If your faith is in a man or a woman, it's going to be tarnished. But if your faith is in God, the one who is enduring, who lasts forever, it will not be tarnished. It's our stability. A.W. Tozer says this, All things being equal, the destiny of a man or a nation may safely be predicted from the idea, their idea of God. No man or nation can rise higher than its conception of God. A church is strong or weak just as it holds to a high or a low idea of who God is. For re- faith rests not primarily upon promises, but upon character. A believer's faith can never rise higher than his conception of who God is. A promise is never better or worse than the character of the one who makes it. An inadequate conception of God must be a result in a weak faith. For faith depends upon the character of God just as a building rests upon its foundation. Today, the foundation for our faith, the foundation for Christianity, the foundation for who we are in Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ himself. This character that never changes Numbers 23, 19 says this, God is not human. How many can say, thank you, God? When I begin to look at human qualities, or lack of qualities, I look at my own life and I begin to see how fickle I am. Anybody fickle? Anybody up and down? As Moses is writing, he says, God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not, not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? 
If I were here giving a leadership message today to speak to leaders today, I would come and say, don't overpromise and don't underproduce. Is our culture not known for overpromising and underproducing? Is our government officials that we elect, are they not guilty of overpromising and underproducing? Maybe you work for a company that overpromises and underproduces. I can guarantee this that you as a human sitting in the chair that you are sitting in right now, you as a person overpromise and underproduce. You're human. But can I tell you today, the one who never overpromises and never underproduces is God Himself. Amen? Isaiah chapter 55 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I've read this passage of Scripture, I don't know how many times it should be memorized, it should be, but I can tell you that phrases come back to my mind as I'm sitting there pondering the character of God. That as much as I can contrive, as much as I can try to think and aspire to these qualities that God is there, God is higher than I can contrive. I can't conjure up a faith that matches his character. Can I tell you it's matchless? That's why we have to come back and go, no, my faith is stability is, stabi- is stabilized by the character of God, is stabilized by who he is. I've had many opportunities to trust in the character of God throughout my life. Anybody have that opportunity? Anybody ever come to a situation that you need healing and you're trusting on a God that heals? Anybody come to a situation in your life and you're looking for faithfulness and God is always faithful? Anybody come into a situation that you need grace and God is filled with grace? As I think of all these characters that that God displays, uh, God allows circumstances in our life to reveal those characteristic traits to us. There are opportunities for us to step in and to trust him more, to realize that God is the one that never changes. Regardless of what we encountered in 2020, regardless of what we're encountering in 2021, regardless of what you encounter in 2025, God's character never changes. He's solid. He's stable. He's a God that's faithful. He's a God that's loving. He's a God that's compassionate. He's a God that's merciful. He's a God that's just. I could go through a list of things, but he's a God that's sovereign. Can I tell you what sovereign means? I've been having to understand sovereignty all over again. Studied it much of my life, but sovereignty means, God, I trust you regardless of whether I understand you or not. God, you are more powerful. God, whether I like what's taking place in my life, God, you are sovereign. Number three, understand that faith is active and passive. All of you should like that idea today because some of you are more passive and some of you are more active. But faith is active and passive. Faith lives and accesses God's kingdom. Faith has movement. Faith is best defined by demonstration. Paul said it's a faith that works. It's a faith that actually produces something. Faith is proven by how you live. Your salvation is not based on works. And I tell you what's happened in our culture today is that, that I'm going to work to earn God's favor. 
No, we choose to believe that God exists. And that motivates us to work for him. It motivates our faith to work. Your actions don't make you a Christian. They show that you're a Christian. Your faithfulness to church today shows that you love God and you've placed him in a high priority in your life. When you tune in on Sundays or you watch it throughout the week on, online, you're saying, no, God, I'm placing you as a high priority in my life. When you pull out God's word and you read it, you're saying, God, my faith is in you and I'm finding a solidity in who you are. Faith shows, faith reveals. What does a wedding ring tell you? Everyone wears these rings around, whether it's gold, white gold. Now they have them in all forms of things. A wedding, wedding ring tells you what? Tells you that you're married. It's not the initial step of marriage. It's not this thing that says that we're getting married every single day. No, this is evidence that I'm committed to the woman on the front chair down there. When I look at this ring, it reminds me of almost 35 years ago when we said, I do. When I look at this ring, it reminds me of the good times and it reminds me of the bad times. For better, for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. Can I tell you that when we talk about this idea of a wedding ring, it's a show of faith and confidence in a relationship. At least that's how I define it. When we talk about faith that works, it's an evidence of who you're committed to. It's a statement of who your life is connected to. A faith that's reliant, a faith that believes. James chapter 2 says this. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not your father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, but that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was called God's friend. How many want to be God's friend? I love that. Verse 24, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone by how they live out their faith, not just an aspired statement of faith, not just a statement of, I believe in God. Jesus said it. He goes, you believe in God, so do the demons. What's their faith portraying? Can I tell you today that we've got to come to a place that says, no, my faith is going to reveal this God that I serve. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. How can you have an active faith and a passive faith? Jesus said this as an active faith. As your faith, what, what, how does, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. According to your faith, your activity of faith, let it be done unto you. What's a passive faith? A passive faith comes back and says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. There's an effort that we have to put forth to say, yes, I'm active in my faith. And there is a place that we have to come back and go, God, whether I understand your activity or see your activity or wonder where you're at, God, I trust your activity. Romans chapter 1, verse 17 says this, the just shall live by faith. Everyone say, "Live live by faith. 
Live by faith. This idea of living by faith is that we're saved by faith, we're kept by faith, we walk by faith, we endure by faith, we rejoice by faith, we serve by faith, we love by faith, we sacrifice by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says this, by faith. Can I tell you, in just chapter 11 alone, it says by faith 24 times. Everyone say by faith. When someone looks at your life, can they describe you by faith? Can they make a statement that says, by faith, Elaine, by faith, Larry, by faith, Rachel, by faith, Kevin? Can we look at some of these things that says, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham? It goes through this whole entire time, 24 times. Does it pull out characters from different generations, different personalities, different times? And he says, by faith, they did. Sums it up, and towards the end of the chapter, there it says, Who through faith conquered? Everyone say, Conquered. Can I tell you today that your active faith in God and your passive faith in God is going to enable you to conquer whatever it is that's put before you? To press in and to press on. To press in to God in you. To press into your calling, to press into your purpose, and to press forward regardless of whether you see Him, hear Him. He's there. Faith is alive. It's active. And faith is, rest, is passive. It's restful. Can I tell you there's a place where there's those moments. Do you ever struggle? I think we all can struggle with the activity of our faith. We can also all struggle with the passivity of our faith. Which, which do you struggle with most? I think it goes to a given situation and the circumstance. It's recognizing that's a faith that's active, and there's a time that that faith is passive, just trusting and relying in the sovereignty and the character of who God is, knowing that He never will leave you nor forsake you. Lastly, faith is not presumption. Faith is not presumption. I'm going to step on. A few touchy points in my final point, and then I'm going to run away. (laughs) Faith is not presumption. Faith is based on what God says. Presumption is based upon our desires and our wishes. I would dare say that many of us think we're functioning in faith, when oftentimes we're functioning in presumption. The difference between faith and presumption is a faith that our faith is in response to God's word of revelation. Can I tell you today how we know God's character is the word of God. How we know God's promises is the word of God. How we know who God is and his revelation is the word of God. The revealed word of God. Can I tell you today across America we're trying to go, well what's the prophet saying? I want to tell you there is no prophet greater than the power of the word of God. If there's a prophet that contradicts the word of God, let me tell you, they're stepping into presumption. They're not stepping into faith. When you step into presumption, when you pursue your desires and go, no, God, I have faith that this is going to happen. Let me tell you, if it's not in God's word, there's no faith in that. There's no faith in it. There's no stability in it. There's no strength in it. Presumptive faith is distorted. Presumptive faith is out of context. How do you know that, Pastor Kevin? 
because I've had distorted faith in my life. It's been through the trials. It's been through the surrender. It's been through the submission. It's been through these experiences to go, God, my faith has been distorted. God, why didn't this happen the way that, I, that your word promised? Realizing that I was stepping into areas of presumption. Realizing I, wasn't, I was stepping into an active faith and not a passive faith. God rewards bold faith, but he also expects us to use common sense. Common sense says this, regardless of your faith, that if there's a live electrical wire sticking out of the wall, common sense says you don't go grab it. Common sense says you don't jump out of a plane at 10,000 feet without a parachute. Correct? In the middle of COVID, there's been a lot of people that have been presumptuous saying, I'm going to show my faith by not wearing a mask. Can I tell you, that's presumption. That's presumption. I'm not here preaching mask wearing today. I'm just coming and saying, are you in faith? Are you in presumption? Are you based upon what you know is true? Are you based upon what you want and what you desire? Charles Swindoll says this, acting foolishly or thoughtlessly, expecting God to bail you out, of, uh, out if things go amiss isn't faith at all, it's presumption. How many have gotten yourself into a hard place and you're saying, God, bail me out of this hard place? Presumption is that you can go charge and charge and charge and charge and charge and get into debt over your head and go, God, I need you to rescue me. Faith is, I'm going to be wise with my finances. Faith is, God, I'm going to give to you as you've called me to give to you. I'm going to be faithful in my giving. And then I can stand upon the character of who you are. Many times we come and we presume upon God. God, heal us. Can I tell you, regardless of whether God does what God does, we're active in our faith and we're passive in our faith. But can I tell you this? Ron and I have a confidence today that we cannot outgive God. And for 35 years, we have been faithful in giving God our tithes and our offerings. And for 35 years, we've honored him. For 35 years, we've increased. And I'm not saying that to expound us. I'm just wanting you to know, based upon the word of God, based upon God's word that does not change, based upon the character and this unchanging personhood of God, we can come back and go, God, we know that you've promised us according to your word. And God, we've been faithful. There's been moments that we've had to remind him, God, we've been faithful. We're reminding ourselves we've been faithful. Let me show you just real quickly. Faith begins with a promise from God. Faith is God-centered. It's never self-centered. Evaluate your faith this morning. Faith begins with a promise from God. Faith is God-centered. Faith is humble. When you approach God, are you coming in humility? When you come expecting of God, is there a humbleness that's there? Faith waits on God and surrenders to him. This active and passive faith. I struggle with passive faith because I hate waiting. Anyone hate waiting? God's trying to teach me how to wait in patience. God's helping me, teaching me how to have my faith my waiting be productive. 
You know the difference between productive waiting and non-productive waiting? Much of the time our waiting is occupied with other things. Sit in a waiting room and we're bored and so we are playing a game or we're sending a text or we're on social media. Can I tell you that we do the same thing spiritually? We feel that when God's going, no, it's time for passive faith. It's time for waiting. We step into activity. And God goes, I want you to wait on me. I want you to wait and watch my hand work. Presumption. Presumption begins with personal and a selfish desire. Presumption is man-oriented, self-focused. Presumption is arrogant and demanding. Presumption dictates what God must do. God, if you don't, then I'm going home and taking my toys. How many ever use that phrase on God? Maybe it's just a type A personality the things that I can manipulate God. But can I tell you that there's a lot of times in presumption, I come and go, God, if you don't, then I have to come and go, God, I surrender. God, I surrender to your sovereignty, to your goodness. As we close, do you have a faith that works? Do you have a faith that works? Is your faith active? Is your faith working for you? Is it productive in your life? As I was thinking of this with so many people on unemployment in our culture today, I want to ask, is your faith on unemployment? Would you rather just get a paycheck than go to work? Would you rather just have a faith than actually plug it into something that really matters and is substantive? Today, as we look and as I close, be some of you are here. And you need your faith to be more activated. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, he said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe you're here today and you'd be the one that says, Pastor Kevin, I want to believe. I do believe, but there's a level of unbelief in my life. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would raise your hand and say, I need God to help me in my unbelief? Thank you. Anyone else? I need God to help me in my unbelief. Thank you. God, in the name of Jesus, we know that you are the author of faith, that you are the one that gives faith in every measure. And so God, today we ask that you would pour out that measure of faith in our lives. God, help our belief, our unbelief, God, those areas that we question and we wonder. Maybe you are in a stage in your life, one of the apostles that prayed the prayer or asked Jesus to say, Jesus, increase our faith. How many are here to say that you want your faith to be increased? God, across this room, as people are raising their hands and they're saying, God, increase our faith. God, we know that there are practical stages and steps that we as believers have to take, and that is to pour ourselves into your word and to pour ourselves into your character. God, increase our faith, I pray. God, strengthen our faith, I pray. Maybe you're one that is in the middle of a passive moment in your life. And you're having to say, God, I trust in you regardless. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. If that's you today, 
You're having to walk through a passive moment in your faith. Would you lift your hand? Would you lift your hand? Thank you. God, in the name of Jesus, you see these individuals, God, that are having to surrender to your purpose and to your plan. God, they're having to surrender to the God who has all things in control. Lord, I pray today that Relevant Life Church would be noted as a church that has a faith that works. God, that we would be known for a faith that works. Just like Thessalonica was known around, around their area. God, for their change and for their life change and who they were. God, I pray that we as Relevant Life Church would be known for this active faith that we have. A faith that's useful, a faith that works, a faith that's not broken, a faith that's balanced. God, would you continue to guide us? God, help us not to walk in presumption. Help us to walk in the solidity of faith. And God, today I pray for every heart, every person that's hearing this message this morning. God, even though our thoughts cannot ascribe to who you are, even though your ways are so much higher than ours, God, would you help us to grasp the greatness of your character? God, would you reveal glimpses upon glimpses every moment? God, that we can see who you are and see your power. God, we thank you for this illustration. We thank you for a faith that is alive because our God is alive. A faith that works because our God is working. God, we don't ask you to change our circumstances. We ask you to change us. Would you be so bold to do that today? God, would you change us? God, one of the evidences of salvation, one of the evidences of a growing believer is that our faith would increase. God, grow in us, change in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for coming today. Thank you so much. Our prayer team is around the front. If you want to have uh, someone pray with you, anoint you with oil, I invite you to come. Uh, we believe in the power of prayer and the power that, of prayer that transforms and changes lives. Make sure you get on and register for next week. Also make sure that you get on and register for Outflow. We need you. God needs you. Our city needs you. And we want to reveal our faith by doing so. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.